Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Soberlink. The Soberlink system is designed to make parenting time safer with real-time remote alcohol monitoring. Soberlink uniquely combines a breathalyzer with wireless connectivity and is the only system that includes facial recognition, tamper detection, and advanced reporting. Parents can submit a test anytime, anywhere, and have test results delivered automatically to the concerned parties. Simplify co-parenting arrangements by using the system that provides transparency and proof of sobriety throughout the day. Join the thousands of parents who are already benefiting from Soberlink by visiting www.soberlink.com backslash family law. For a limited time, get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Divorce and Beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. There's very few secrets you can hold a lifetime. Um, and so that's my, my real kind of call to action for everyone is to recognize these secrets. They're sitting there in the dark. They're making you sick. And eventually they're going to come to light. And they're going to either come out. The secret itself is going to come out. Or it's going to push its way out through physiological diagnoses, psychological diagnoses, pain, suffering, divorce, um, any of those types of things. It's going to come out and manifest in one way or the other. Hello and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I'm joined by a new friend who I met through our beloved Bella Gandhi. Um, I'm joined today by Rachel Graham, and I'm really excited to have her here with me. She just launched another TEDx. She, uh, I think this is your third one, Rachel. Um, Second. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Second. And, um, it's, uh, we just watched it again a moment ago and it's just so powerful. Um, and the, the topic is so, t- I mean, it's really relevant to anyone, but I, I I'm excited that we're going to be talking about, um, the, the, the need to unpack your lockbox and what's in your lockbox. And I'll go more into that, but first let me tell you a little bit about Rachel um, and why I'm excited to have her here. So first, I love her description. She's a business entrepreneur, leadership and development coach. And here's my favorite part, an empowering optimist, which is absolutely perfect. And once you have an opportunity to go watch the TEDx, you're going to completely understand that title. But Rachel has, uh, you know, for being an optimist, she has certainly faced some challenges in her own life and has built uh, an amazing career and helped so many people out of what she has accomplished through her own struggles. She um, is the family member um, of a loved one who struggled with some unresolved trauma, mental health and addiction issues. And so she's really moved into the wellness field and into the field of helping people 
to overcome and deal with those um, types of, of dealing with trauma, mental health issues, and addiction. In fact, um, she currently serves and co-founded, um, she serves as the CEO of Healing Springs Ranch, which is a residential 28-bed treatment facility for addiction. Um, and she also of LifeWorks Wellness, which is a startup wellness digital platform. So she's in this in our space in so many different ways, not necessarily divorce related, but as she and I were just talking about, Rachel, I mean, addiction, trauma, mental health issues. I've just had, I've had podcast episodes on all three of those. Mm-hmm. I'd say within the past month or month and a half, I mean, they are so entwined with divorce and relationships. So first off, thank you so much for taking the time out of your, I know your very busy day to join me to do this episode. I'm pleased to be here. Thanks, Susan, for inviting me. (laughs) Yeah, this is, you know, you were telling me, we've talked a few times about a few different things, but you told me about your your current TEDx, the one that just came out. And it was, it's such an important topic for everyone, as I mentioned, you know, in the intro there, um, you you called your TEDx "What's in Your Lockbox" or un- is about unpacking the lockbox. Um, but it's really about. I'm just going to d- define it as secrets, the power that secrets can hold over our lives. And I think everyone who's listening right now, and you hear that word secrets. Um, and it, it almost brings up like an uncomfortable feeling just in and of itself, you know, something visceral about secrets. And, you know, you start the TEDx with what happens in the dark comes out in the light always. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to start there. I'd love to start with what you mean. And, you know, it's such an important phrase. You started your TEDx with that. What do you mean? By that? You know, when things are happening in a covert way. There's only so long you can really keep those under wraps, um, and those are the secrets. Um, you can't hold on to them forever. Something's going to happen. They're eventually going to come to light, and it's going to come out. And so um, there's very few secrets you can hold a lifetime. Um, and so that's my, my real kind of call to action for everyone is to recognize these secrets. They're sitting there in the dark. They're making you sick, and eventually they're going to come to light, and they're going to either come out, the secret itself is going to come out, or it's going to push its way out through physiological diagnoses, psychological diagnoses, pain, suffering, divorce, um, any of those types of things. It's going to come out and manifest in one way or the other. Um, so my my encouragement to everyone is why live with the shame of these secrets or harboring these secrets if you know that ultimately it's going to hurt you could hurt someone else. And so we can talk about that later. How you get around. Um, you know, not hurting someone else with a very painful secret. Um, but I, I firmly believe that if we walk around storing those, it leads to so many other problems. And oftentimes as humans, we don't even see the origin of those problems are tied to something else. Right. Something that's like locked inside, right? Locked mm-hmm. in that lockbox. And I said, I loved your analogy of, you know, what's in your lockbox. And let's just be really clear about this, everyone who's listening everyone has secrets. Mm -hmm. Everyone. You do, Rachel. Mm -hmm. I do. Um, Everybody has them. In fact, you cite a statistic in the TEDx about everyone has an average of 13 secrets. 
five of which they've never told to anyone. I mean, let's think about that. So that all means what we're holding on to, we're all on average holding on to five things we've never shared with anyone else. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's it, and those secrets. I mean, there are healthy secrets. We we probably should say that too. There are healthy secrets. If I'm throwing you a surprise birthday party and I'm not telling you, then that's probably a healthy secret. That's meant to be a very positive, um, um, fun thing for someone that is a good friend of mine. But in this situation, we're talking about we're talking about the secrets that really um, harm ourselves. Um, they have the potential to harm others. Um, they have the ability to control us and they're going to come out in different ways. And these secrets can range. And I listed off a whole host of different types of secrets, but, um, too often any close relationships, there's still those five secrets that they've never, the two partners or best friends or whatever it might be in the close relationship have not shared with each other. Uh, and, and that can be pretty damaging in the long run. Um, if these secrets start to come out. Yeah, well, and two of those you were talking about, um, and I think this would be interesting to people to know. You talk in the in the TEDx about how many different kinds of secrets there can be, and in fact, you just said there are good secrets, and then there are those that are actually you know festering or or that are not positive secrets. You talked about two of them that are maybe very familiar or sound very familiar to people who are listening, um, emotional infidelity and mm-hmm. financial secrets, two of which, you know, we call that financial infidelity in the divorce mm-hmm. world. Um, that any type of infidelity, I know everyone thinks infidelity is, is actual sexual activity with someone outside your relationship. There are many different kinds of infidelity. So, you know, I'd love for you, cause you actually also mentioned just the, the mental, uh, being mentally infidel, you know, being, thinking about someone else in Mm -hmm. a different way, you know, so I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. So in my world, um, in the, in the world I operate in, when we talk about infidelity, infidelity is kind of a a broader, to your point, you, you hit the nail on the head by sharing that it's not just sexual, um, behavior outside of a relationship. It's basically anything you're hiding from that person in your relationship that you know that they'd be upset if they knew you're doing. So if I'm texting and emailing an old boyfriend and I'm married to someone else and I'm not telling my partner that my partner has no knowledge, that's probably not a healthy thing for me to be doing because if that's a healthy behavior pattern, I should be able to have that discussion with my partner. Um, And so if I'm keeping that a secret then eventually that's going to fester and it's going to come out in other ways. And it could come out in me lashing out at my partner for the little things that he may have done um, because I'm feeling so ashamed for what I'm doing over here, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so it can be very, very damaging. Um, you know, and, and even there's natural things like you can have be in coupleship with someone and have a healthy relationship, see someone that you're attracted to that happens doesn't mean you have to act on it. But if I'm having ruminating thoughts and continue to have thoughts about this person while I'm in a relationship or coupleship with this person over here, that's not healthy either. And that probably means there's something that needs to be addressed over here in this this couple um, relationship I have that's missing that's causing me to ruminate about this other person 
if that makes sense. So there's, there's always rationale behind it. People don't think that they're like, okay, I met this person. This person was great. I've been thinking about this person. I want to reconnect and I want to start emailing and texting and social media connecting with these people that I know that my partner would not be happy about. That's your first red flag, you know, to say, okay, there's something wrong in this relationship that needs to be addressed that probably can be. And you probably see it by the time it gets down to the divorce side, it's like too late. You know, everyone's kind of gone too far. Um, you know, I say relationships do this. We kind of come together. We kind of do this. It's when the relationships start going like this and that amplitude gets bigger that, you know, um, if it, it has the potential to go off the rails this way and not come back. And that's generally where you see them in divorce court. Right. I mean, and that's where, you know, and there's always something, what you're saying reminds me of when I was a baby lawyer learning, you know, at the the heels of, of one of my mentors. And he said, you know, one of the things that a divorce attorney has to ask every client is what is the worst thing that your spouse is going to be able to say about you? What is that, that secret they found out or, you know, that thing that has happened or those things that happened in your relationship that you don't want to tell me, but you have to tell me because in my role as your advocate, as the person who is going to go in and, and advocate for you, I need to know what's also going to be said. But that is, you know, that's a moment in time where I go into that conference room with a new client and I say, tell me your secrets. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not an easy thing for people to do. And I think that there is, you talk also about why we keep secrets. And these are, you know, you said these words earlier, um, fear, uh, shame. I mean, oh man, is there a, that's a word, you know, we always are talking about the shame around divorce. Um, but, you know, that's, there, there's so much power in the secrets because we give them that power and it's driven by these emotion, this emotional content for it. It is, it is. And, you know, people don't connect the dots. If, if like someone you're working with or have worked with in the past was going through anxiety as it relates to their divorce, well, you got to peel back the layers of the onion. Anxiety is how it's presenting, right? That's the symptom, but that's not really the problem. So you start peeling back the layers and it could be that, you know, and with anxiety, it's a fear of something out in the future. Depression is a look back in the past. So when you're fearful and having anxious thoughts, it could be the fear of that secret getting out that maybe they didn't even disclose to you as their, you know, attorney or, or mediator or whatever it might be. Um, and also just the, the sheer horror of it being found out, how it could prevent you from having access to your children, losing your rights to your children, whatever it might be, depending on how big that secret is. And so when I see someone struggling with anxiety, my first question, kind of like what you're saying is what are your secrets, but what are you fearful of? You know, cause there's something going on and it's presenting like this, that then many people go and turn to medication to help manage the, and the anxiety and that medication's addictive. So it's not uncommon for me to see, you know, these patterns where people have just built on trying to stuff it and they end up in treatment for addiction because they're trying to suppress something that we then have to peel back all these layers you know, I mean, it's, to get to root people see it as this high level problem with addiction. And really it's all coming, you know, often from mm-hmm. this very deep seated something locked in a box, right. That we keep mm-hmm. in. And I always say to people, when I'm talking about secrets or talking about anxiety or fear, 
it's those things that at two o'clock in the morning you wake up and you're thinking about or you're worrying about. Um, those are those those are the things, or you don't even know. You know, everybody has those moments in time where they're awake at three in the morning and they don't even know why. And that's it. That's another point that I think you make very uh, ably in the TEDx is that we keep secrets from ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, in the TEDx, you talk about uh, letting one of your own secrets out and the power of that. And it wasn't that you went and told the world about it. You did now because you talked about it in a TEDx. <laughs> but in the moment of revelation, you were actually sort of revealing it to yourself and a higher power. We, we do. We, we are master deceptors. We can deceive ourselves. And you think about it, something as common as, um, let's just say, I need to lose 20 pounds, okay? And I keep failing it while I'm, I just can't master losing this 20 pounds. Well, there's a reason there. And you've got to keep going down. Why, why did you gain the 20 pounds in the first place? Okay, now what's that? we've got to establish the origin of those 20 pounds. But why, like we do that when we say, I, I only ate this many calories. And so I can go ahead and have this ice cream or whatever it might be. That's deceptive. So then I sabotage my weight loss goal. That was my goal with some of these things I'm lying and telling myself and the secrets I'm keeping for myself in terms of how many calories are really in that thing. Um, and so we are masters at it and we're, we're really kind of born pure. We're taught these behaviors, you think about your parents say, don't tell your father. When he gets home, he'll be really angry if he finds out that this happened. You know, those kinds of secrets happen in early childhood and in family dynamics, or you have a family that just doesn't communicate. They are like steel traps that hold on to information. Um, so we learn these behaviors over time. And we learn that if I tell you, Susan, something that I think you're going to be disappointed in me for, I'd rather just not tell you and hope you don't find out. And my whole opening statement in the TEDx was really about the fact that it will come out at some point. And there's times that I could be thinking, you don't even know that I'm hiding a secret, but you fully see it. (laughs) You see it from your vantage point. So I think I'm pulling the wool over your eyes, but I'm not. And then what does that do to our friendship? Then you're not going to trust me in general. So it's really about getting comfortable and having the ego strength to recognize that I can't please everyone. And by sharing some of this information, they may not like me. They may not like my political views. They may not like my religious views or whatever it might be. And that's okay. Do you really want to hang on to someone that's going to judge you that way? You know, I think as adults, we should learn how to have differing opinions and have a copacetic relationship, you know? Yeah, well, that put that out to the the world at large in the moment that we are living in, definitely. Yeah. But, but you're so right because we allow ourselves or we we foster these secrets either from others or from ourselves you were talking about the the 20 pounds so i've i've put on the covid-19 and my goal in life is to take that back off and so i've been journaling my food and the other day i wanted to eat something and then there's this thing about well you have to then put it down and i'm like well i could eat it and not put it down and then i'm like well that's Right. But that's, let's, let's all be human. There you go. There's one of my secrets, everyone, by the way, I did write it down. Um, so, (laughs) well, mine was, mine was kind of true too. Let's Let's just face it. Yeah. Hello listeners. 
I just want to thank everyone who has gone and already signed up to become members of the Divorce and Beyond Members Only Community. Those people who have signed up are already enjoying all of the exclusive benefits of membership, which include downloadable materials, the archive of the podcast, which is all ad-free. You get exclusive members-only podcast episodes, the Ask Susan Anything forum. And in fact, we've just uploaded a new answer to that. There's a monthly membership newsletter, and we're going to have videos, including the one that we just loaded from Dr. Kabeca from last week on getting your sexy back. So come on over to divorceandbeyondpod.com and join the community. It's only $10 a month, and we can't wait to welcome you there. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guest, Rachel Graham, who shares tips from her latest TEDx. Unlock your lockbox and set your secrets free. Fear. It's really fear-based underneath it. We're fearful that rejection, we're fearful of being judged. Um, and I think that really and truly, again, you know, I, I tell my clients when I'm teaching this, uh, rejection is protection and it's redirection. If you are enjoying this episode, check out It's Always Everything in Blended Families with Summer Mulder. A night out at dinner with some friends, and we're talking about all the issues and things that come up in life and, and families, and especially blended families and step families. And she said something. She goes, yeah, it's just like you're, you're dealing with everything, always. And we were like, Mike and I kind of looked at each other and we were right at that point of what are we going to name our podcast that we're coming out with? And then that was it. We were like, everything always. And now we return to today's show. Yeah, right. I mean, we're, but that's, I, I think there's huge power in sharing those things. In, in letting other people know that we're not, you know, this whole phenomenon of seeing people on social media and everything's perfect and everyone's life is perfect and everyone always looks perfect and all of that. None of it's true. None of us are perfect. And and as you, you pointed out, you know, and we talked about a minute ago, we're all holding five secrets that we haven't ever told anybody, whatever they might be. And, you know, some of them, I think it's really interesting what you said about some of them coming from our family of origin and all. I grew up in a family that had a lot of, um, my dad was, had an alcohol abuse issue, um, but not something we ever were going to talk about. You don't talk about the fact that dad, you know, sometimes gets so drunk, he can't stand up or do those sort of things. And that definitely became a behavior that I then carried over into my adult relationships with men where I sort of hide their drinking problem. First of all, I found men who had drinking problems, Mm -hmm. (laughs) drinking issues with alcohol, right? And I would hide it. And and sort of be there, you know, we could go into a whole episode on codependency and all of that. But we, many of our secret, it wasn't until I faced that secret from my childhood that wasn't really a secret to me, but I was keeping a secret from the world at large. I wouldn't talk about it. And I would, before I would, was unable to put that out there, I wasn't able to start making changes in my own behaviors that then would make changes in my relationships. And you yeah. talk about that power of unlocking your lockbox. And that's part of the story that you tell about unlocking your lockbox. Um, yeah. 
it's so important that we do it and yet we resist it so strenuously. It's fear. It's really fear-based underneath it. We're fearful that rejection, we're fearful of being judged. Um, and I think that really and truly, again, you know, I, I tell my clients when I'm teaching that uh, rejection is protection and it's redirection, right? So don't fear rejection when it happens. It may hurt, it may sting, but it's, it's meant to redirect you somewhere else. And or to protect you from something. So I, I just, I, I stopped fearing rejection. Um, and I think that helped. And so it makes it easier for me to tell things, you know, secrets, anything that I'm harboring. Cause I, if someone rejects me, that's okay. I don't get angry. I'm not going to be angry at them. It's just, they can't deal with whatever it might be. And I need to honor and respect that as a human being and let that person go. If that secret is something that's going to impact our friendship or our relationship. Um, but I'll feel better because I'll like what I see in the mirror. I do that all the time. I sit in the mirror and I say, do you like the person you see today? And if the answer is no, you need to figure out why and go fix it. And oftentimes it's tied to, I need really need to have this conversation with someone. I didn't want to tell them this, but I'm going to have to do this, you know? So I encourage people. It, it, it is a gift you give yourself and that in, encourage people to look at those secrets and figure out what needs to be shared. Now, there are some secrets that don't need to be shared with a person. It could be very damaging or need to be shared in a clinical setting because it's a very, very heavy topic that could have some um, serious implications to others. Um, but one of the things that you don't always have to do is share that secret with that person. So for example, I think you and I were talking earlier about the fact that you can share it on a piece of paper. Um, and in my case, I shared something on a piece of paper. I went into the woods, I read it to the woods, and then I burned the piece of paper because the people I wanted to talk to were deceased. I couldn't talk to them. And so that was very therapeutic because it gave me a platform by which to share it. But then it also gave me some finality when I burned it if that makes right. sense. I think you mentioned letting it float down the stream or whatever it might be. So there are some, I'll call it ceremonial type of things that you can do when sharing or unpacking that secret um, isn't going to work with the people that maybe you feel you need to, or um, it's not safe for you to do. Yeah. Well, and very good point with that is that there are different layers of unpacking your lockbox. Um, I think that first layer is unpacking it to yourself, right? Awareness. And, and all of my listeners know I'm, I, I talk about the first step in any journey being awareness of whatever the issue is or, or what you need to be dealing with. You can't start to heal, recover, move forward, put the path behind you, whatever you want to call it, until you're aware of what's holding you back or what's keeping mm -hmm. you mired in the past. And so much of what we've talked about in this in this episode is exactly what's holding people back. And it doesn't really matter what the secret is. Because you and I talked earlier also about secrets can be little tiny things. Like I didn't want to write the donut down on my food journal. <laughs> All the way up to you know, sexual abuse, uh, you know, people being addicted to pornography, sexual addiction. I mean, there can be so many different behaviors or things that we hold inside um, that, that can be deeply impactful to our future lives or to other people's lives that maybe they don't need to be shared with the world at large, right. but they do need to be shared. And I'm not, you know, the one thing that's important for your listeners, I'm not advocating loss of privacy. 
You know, I, I do feel like there are things that, you know, like I felt comfortable sharing in a TEDx. I mean, you know, millions of people could see that. Um, but then there might be things that I would share only in a smaller group um, because it's relevant with that group. But you can't fix something you don't acknowledge. So if you're suffering oftentimes with some sort of mental diagnoses or physiological diagnoses, autoimmune um, is a big one, um, blood pressure, uh, headaches, fibromyalgia, those types of things, you know, some of the things that the origins could stem from things that you're suppressing. So there's a book that talks about the body keeps score. And that book suggests that when we are harboring these things, your mind may not be processing it in a conscious thought, but your body's storing all of this. And eventually it's going to come out. And I use the, the, what we call, I guess, a midlife crisis, if you will, with folks. And that's really a manifestation of some unprocessed and suppressed emotions and secrets and shame and all kinds of stuff that are sitting there. And so it comes out in something that, you know, looks like it has nothing to do with that, but it actually, the origin is there. And so that's why I encourage people when you're struggling with different things is to really get still. That's really the way that you can start the process of how do I unpack this or how do I find the origin of whatever this manifestation is. And if it's anxiety, like I said, is sitting with it and saying, okay, if I'm suffering with anxiety, there's some origin to this. And it's something I'm fearful of. So that's like where you start hunting for whatever it is. And you keep going lower and lower and lower until you actually get to the real issue. Then when you address that real issue, like maybe it's you're keeping a secret from your spouse or you're having anxious thoughts that what if they find out and what, how am I going to handle it when that happens? Um, once you kind of see where it is, you can start to address that. And I'll tell you, the pain of having someone reject me is nothing compared to the pain of harboring that emotion and having it come out in GI issues and anxiety and depression and, you know, rage. You know, I'm just throwing out some of the different types of um, ways that it manifests. Um, so to me, it's much better and more comfortable. Just if someone's me, if I'm going to disappoint someone with this secret, I'm going to disappoint them. I have an opportunity to try to fix it potentially or not. They have an opportunity to forgive me or not, um, but I'm not going to walk around storing this. It's just not healthy for everyone because then it gets deflected at other people. You yeah. know. Well, and that's you. You were just talking about the fact that our secrets can manifest in physical ways in our bodies in ways that we would not tie to the the secret we're holding. And it reminded me of a colleague of mine. Um, another family law attorney, and we were mired in a case that um, her client actually um, was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And my colleague had fibromyalgia. That's what reminded me of this. And it was dealing with the fact that she had a client who had borderline personality disorder, it was a very difficult case. You know, that is a diagnosis that's difficult. And it turns out my colleague's mother had borderline personality disorder. And there was something about the confluence of, you know, the situation where she was dealing with a client who had it. It brought home to her that her mother's illness or, or disorder was also manifesting in her physically and the secrets about talking about it. And she's now fairly symptom-free. And she she puts that down to actually 
Oh, that aha moment in the middle of our case where she and I were having this discussion and she went, oh my God, this is my mother all over mm-hmm. again. And yeah. it was, you know, she had never, she's like, I don't talk about the fact that my mother, you know, had that diagnosis and, and that I grew up with that situation. Um, but she started talking about it from there and, and things became better for her. Um, so that's just an example, but it reminded me of that when you were talking about autoimmune and fibromyalgia. I think it should be really, or it will be very interesting to people to understand that your secrets can come out in ways other than anxiety about being fearful it's going to come out. It can come out in high blood pressure, in autoimmune disease. I mean, you were talking about all these different ways um, that I think is is really important for people. High blood pressure. Yeah. Think about IBS, that. ulcers, you know? Um, you know, all, reflux, acid reflux. I'm not suggesting that there's not a physiological problem with someone. So I'm, I'm in no position to diagnose people, but, um, medically, but what I am saying is that the, that's the first place you need to start looking. And in your case, your friend's case, she's reliving that trauma all over again. And it's evoking probably the same response she had as a child where your fight or flight kicks in. And so what happens is her whole immune system goes into overdrive. And starts attacking different things, even the healthy areas. So you you really, when you start peeling back the layers, it's a hard exercise to do to say, okay, you know, I'm I'm having um, IBS issues. Okay, well, you start looking at when does it happen? Okay, it happens when this happens. Okay, and you keep going lower and lower and lower to get to the origin of that. Because um, our body does, it keeps score. It knows exactly what's going on. And, you know, we talk about, I mean, you think about it. In, in caveman era, prehistoric era, if there was a threat, our bodies responded first before our head did. You know, the adrenaline starts pumping, cortisol dump, all these different things are happening. We kick into fight or flight before our mind even can process that. So today's enemies are not predatory animals coming after. They're technology, they're people, they're lies, secrets, all these things. Those are the predators now. And so they kick our whole system into overdrive if we don't learn how to live a healthier life. And that's what I'm suggesting in the lockbox is, you know, I'm giving people a visual saying there's stuff in there. All of us have it. You know, that doesn't make us bad people. It makes us human. And and so it's inventorying those things and figuring out what do I need to do to get these things out and to untether myself from the impact that they're having in controlling me potentially. Right. And that's, you know, it's that awareness that there's an issue and then it's the, what steps can you take to start delving into how to unlock that lockbox, right? And we've talked about a few, several of those ways. I I personally do love the one of just writing it out um, and setting it on fire or floating it down the stream. Or I've talked with um, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen, the divorce doctor on several episodes, and she talks about the power of journaling. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And I know for me, many times when I am journaling, Truths will come out of that pen that I had absolutely no intention or even thought of writing. You know, you'll you'll start writing and that stream of consciousness will take you somewhere. And there's a lot of truth that can be uncovered in that fashion as well. Yeah, and mindfulness is another one. We teach that where you deep breathing and you get still. We're, as a society, very busy. And it's easy to be full of things going on, very distracted, lots of noise in the channel to where we don't have to face it. So when I look at someone that's chronically just 
so busy they can't even remember to eat lunch. There's a reason you're doing that. And there's probably a reason you need to understand what's motivating that. I mean, I have those days when I do that. And then if I slow down, I get real and say, you know what? This is why I'm doing that. And that's not healthy, if that makes sense. Probably not the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing is, is that a lot of these behaviors, like we talked about family of origin, they're generational. And so if you think about some traumas get handed down, traumatic, um, so maybe molestation is a big one. I'm hitting a big one, the mother of, of, of them. And it's not uncommon for that to happen within generations because that's what they were taught and that's what they were taught by the generation above them and they were taught by the generation above them. And so, you know, it comes a point where someone needs to break the cycle in the, the family of origin issue. And that can be really hard when you're reconciling that. And you may not be able to confront all these other generations above you, but you can certainly take control of your own life and take control of your future. You can't you know fix the past, but you can change and rewrite the future for yourself. Well, that's, there's, there's probably the most powerful part of unlocking your lockbox and letting your secrets out, even if it's only to yourself. So I think that's an amazing thought for us to end this on for everyone. But um, Rachel, I, you know, the see, I, I told you earlier, one of my best friends, Gabrielle Hartley, um, always says, you're only as sick as your secrets. And, you know, the, this, this whole episode really just defines that and but gives people the hope and the understanding that secrets don't have to remain secret. I love that you say, you know, at the core of that is we're fear of being rejected. But really, you know, if someone's rejecting you for something that's true about you or something that you're truly feeling, think about that and think about the power that that's holding over you. Um, and I know I just want to mention the way you're, you're, the last scene of the TEDx is beautiful. I'm not going to tell everybody about what it is, but it's a beautiful scene. And um, you, you point out that it's difficult to unlock your lockbox, but it's how you create the path to joy and happiness. And, you know, I want to give everyone that hope in the end, you know, that, yeah. that it's possible. You know, you've done it when your thoughts, your actions, and your words align all of them and you're congruent and a life of congruence means one where you're not betrothed to those secrets and they are not um, affecting and controlling you. Something we can all hope to achieve. So I want people to be able to see the TEDx. It did just come out recently. It's going to be living on your website, which website? So you can find it on evolveandtransform.me. Uh, and then also healingspringsranch.com. There's a YouTube channel and then it'll be on the I have Facebook and Instagram as well for those. Um, where we put lots of different content out there, lots of different, what I call life skills, um, so that people can learn some of these things that maybe if you weren't in a family that taught you them, you have a chance to learn and kind of recreate your future, not continue the same patterns and paths that you've been on a lot of what we were just talking about. So I encourage people to go look. And again, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today because I, there is such power in our secrets and uh, you really can transform your life by unlocking that lockbox. So Rachel, thanks so much. Thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. 
I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. 